This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes episode 317, Chris Novembrino, I'm Jeff Hawkins, Chris Hi, Jeff. It's Hawkins. NBA trade season. Yes, it is. Trade season is <laughs> really fun sometimes. It's like sometimes just sitting around and then your friends text you and they're all complaining because you got a really good trade. And, and then you did. Uh, I'm super excited. So for those of you who don't follow the NBA today, the Mavericks pulled off a, what I consider to be a pretty substantial trade for their rebuild. Um, they drafted Luka Dantic this year um, after trading a draft pick to the Atlanta Hawks for Trey Young, who has n- not delivered on the level that Luka Dantic has. And now today they have acquired Kristaps Porzingis and also Tim Hardaway Jr. from the New York Knicks, along with a, a couple of other players, too. And they sent DeAndre Jordan, who essentially they signed and has He's been completely serviceable for Dallas this year and still has a place in this league, but he has lost a step, clearly, and his athleticism is diminished, and they just signed him this year. And also Dennis Smith Jr., who is someone that they uh, drafted a couple years ago, who posted a triple-double, but has had little hiccups along the way here. So this has been a great pickup for the Dallas Mavericks. We now have a core to go forward. Prezingis is, I believe... 23 or 24 and Luka Doncic is like 19 so this is awesome like we we're we're stacked we're ready to go man let's do this in in a stacked west again and the east just continues to get weaker um yeah so we have a lot to talk about Hideo Itami has given notice and been released his name's Kenta now. Can, can we start with Kenta that now. he's no longer Hideo Itami, and that was a dumb name? <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Uh, I Yeah, I, I, I think he probably got his release based on, basically, he's going to stay in Japan, and he's not going to be... Although, I wouldn't be surprised in a year or two if, if he's helping to run, say, Noah, and, and all of a sudden... the NXT Japan franchise that eventually pops up. Oh, my God. I, I don't think he's going to want to run that. I, I just don't. Yeah, I, I feel like his engagement with the company had to have left a bit of a bad taste in his mouth. Although we also don't know a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Maybe somewhere along the way the, the plans changed and he was kind of okay with the way the plans changed. You know what? I don't think... See, it, it's hard to say because what makes me angry was... It was a huge signing at the time. It was one of those jaw-dropping... Dude, they brought out Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan yeah. in Japan to stand next to this guy and be like, yeah, this guy's the future, brother. This is going to be the one. Yeah, daddy. Uh, I mean, like they really rolled out the red carpet for Kenta, and then there was a lot of mishandling of things. Obviously, the injuries were ill-timed, but the relaunch was not very good. And then he got injured again, didn't he? Yeah, no, he got and when when he came back the second time, he, that's when the, I believe it was again they were he was in a tag team match against Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, and got re injured on in like a Largo house show or something, and you're like, 
Why is he out there wrestling in front of those guys? He doesn't need to learn how to work. It, it's, it was just, it was such a frustrating thing. He was a real victim of, quote-unquote, having to learn the hard camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's the perfect way to do to, to, to sum up uh, what happened with him. I mean, this guy, legendary Hall of Fame career on his way to it. Now he has had five years wasted in WWE for the most part, and you're just kind of like, ah, that's disappointing. Uh, but maybe he gets a second wind going elsewhere, and, you know, who knows, maybe... You know, maybe AEW and wherever he's working eventually have a... I would love to see him rejuvenated. He just, he seems unapplied right now. And and maybe a change of scenery would be good for him in many ways. You know, he can eat carbs again, so he doesn't have to weigh 205. It'll be great. I don't think he's been uh, worried about that over the last several months here. Yes, you've intimated this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, he's, put, he's put on weight, Jeff. That's what I'm getting at. He's definitely put on weight. So in the uh, what do I call this segment the 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 cleanup the cleanup is what you thank you call it I forget I mean if you want to come up with a new name it's no I, I like the show. term the you cleanup can, you can you can name it whatever you want Jeff uh, I got uh, I got a question on Twitter about my tiers of fans and I'm I'm not I'm not certain they're tiers more so than it's a giant Venn diagram of certain kinds of people who all have certain kind of characteristics of them in terms of a WWE audience in terms of a main let's say a big four pay-per-view at a at a stadium type of thing okay and and, and just in general in terms of WWE fandom um first of all let, let's start with the obvious the hardcore wrestling fan uh you're the guy who who subscribes to the observer or the torch you listen to podcasts like this or voices of wrestling. You're fascinated with the business. You 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 like everything about it. You want to talk about it all the time. You're engaged in it. You're following all the influencers on Twitter to get the to get the scoops and all that. I mean, you're on message boards and chatting it up all day. Like this is the number one thing you like to talk about all day. Like you are excited for this next PWG card or or whatnot. That, that that's you. That's that's us. And we are the minority. We are, are the minority in the WWE fandom for the most part. And then you get what I like to call, for lack of a better term, casual hardcores. You know, they're guys who follow wrestling but aren't as obsessive about every signing and every small promotion. You know, maybe you get your new, you follow the news that news aggregators like PW. Mania or Wrestling Inc. do, but, you know, they copy all the news from Dave Meltzer or something, so you know what's going on some of the time. You may listen yeah, like to... Squared Circle, you're, you're on Squared Circle. I think I'm actually probably closer to this column. You listen to Bruce Pritchard, honest. you know, podcast to get the, the, you know, the backstage dirt. Oh, yeah, no, Hardcore Wrestling Fan was yelling at you from Tuesday's show, not knowing that Casey Catanzaro was working the Largo Loop. You know, oh, you call yourself a wrestling expert. You should come listen to my podcast. You know, that kind of kind of fan. Then you have another group who just, you know, they like a wrestler or a few wrestlers and they like certain people. So they're at a show watching it. You get your lapsed fans also who like a certain era. Like, oh, I remember the Attitude Era. You know, the, the, those are the people becoming parents right now. And that's another kind of... Su- the other small subgroup are parents... 
of children who love wrestling or significant others who have been dragged to these shows. That That's the other smallest group of people there. There's another group here that I, what I would call like the WWE supermarket. These are the type of people. Oh, I'm getting who... to those. Oh, okay, okay. I'm Get getting to those. I have a few more left here. There, there's there's someone l- lower on that card, what I like to call the WWE Rocky Horror fans. You know, this is a they love the show, they love the cosplay, they're looking to chant and buy merchandise and just have a good time. But they're not really wrestling fans, so to speak. They're there for the WWE experience. They like the sh- they they're actually kind of what WWE wants out of their fans. Yeah. Like they would love to have an entire arena filled with those people. Then there's another group I like to call them uh, the cultural fans. Sometimes I like to call them the ironic fans as well. Wrestling is a part of nerd culture, so they like it. They follow it, but they're not obsessive about it, so to speak. They kind of like to go and see shows generally, and wrestling is one of the many types of shows that they might go and see. And then lastly, the loyalists. This is WWE has always been a superior product because they're the main wrestling group. These are the, the Star Wars fans who saw episode one and said, look, it's a trilogy. Let's wait to see how it plays out. These kinds of people. They don't care about logic. They just want to have fun and watch their WWE and do their chants, and they love the comedy. And why do you watch if you hate it so much? That's what they'll tell you then. And I think there is a large portion of people who go to these manias or rumbles at these giant stadium shows these are those people. Your hardcore wrestling fans are going to your NXT shows for the most part. Your loyalist fans see Johnny Gargano come out for the Royal Rumble. Ask who's that guy. Initially, boo, probably, because he's smaller. And then they'll hear other people go, oh, man, he's really good. I love Johnny Gargano. And then they'll eventually go, oh, yeah, man, I like Johnny Gargano, too. Those types of people. So you have all these different kinds of groups in one show, and we all kind of click different parts of the Venn diagram here. But overall, those are the categories I'd kind of split everybody into. I feel like that last group that you had, I I don't think that they're the bulk of, let's say, the big four, big five shows, right? I, I think the people who... There are people who live going to WWE shows as a lifestyle, and they just love it. You know, I mean, especially like let's say international fans. If you're taking a plane in transatlantic to come and see a show in Dallas or in Philadelphia or Chicago, it's just because you like love wrestling and WWE's part of that. I mean, th- there's another part. Well, of let me there's let me add that group. They the love people who like being part of the wrestling. The, the people who like being part of the wrestling community. Yeah, like they actually like going to these big shows because they like seeing all of their friends that they have met online and engage with them. Yeah, no, like I said, you can have bits and pieces of other things. I'm thinking most of them are WWE fans, though, because WWE has been the prominent predominant brand in their lives. And if you are over the age of 25 or under the age of 25, it has to have been the predominant brand because it's pretty much all there's been unless you've gone to seek out a Ring of Honor or or a New Japan, which is rare. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is what I grew up on. This is what it was during my peak fandom. And then you get the guys who buy belts and walk around with them or Money in the Bank briefcases or things like that. And that kind of goes into the cosplay thing as well. 
So I mean, you- what I want is for one of the money in the bank briefcase guys to cash in on one of the belt dudes. I would give anything to see that at a show. I, th- I think we'd, we'd end up having some fisticuffs because I believe the briefcase is only like 150 bucks and the belts are like 400 So <laughs> That's the point, baby. Oh. You know, you got to fight for that belt. Defend it. I, I won't, but I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I, I just think a lot of people have been conditioned to really love brand loyalty on WWE at these shows as opposed to, and that's who Vince and the people in his inner circle are really catering to hardcore. And it's what they're trying to condition them to with commentary. Like, commentary doesn't emphasize headlocks, suplexes, submission holds, joint work, the moves in the ring. It emphasizes the storytelling, of which describing some of the in-ring action is a piece of that. But commentary has made the fans watch the show in a way that is different. So, like, one of the reasons why people can't appreciate a formally executed back body drop when Chad Gable, I was about to call him Clark Gable, Chad Gable does a really great back body drop. They can't look at that and go, oh, wow, that's a really good back body drop. Because they don't know. Because commentary's not putting that over. Commentary doesn't explain what's in a good back body drop. A lot of these move names are getting lost. Uh, I mean, that was something, I think, from the vintage of wrestling that you and I both grew up watching. You kind of got acquainted with the move names pretty well. I, I think it would be much harder to do that based off of the style of commentary that like the Michael Cole era of WWE has emphasized. Well, that, that and plus they've been conditioned to look for the big moves by each person the setup and the finisher it's all about the the big moves yeah yeah it's not about arm drags or suplexes it's all about you know Shelton Benjamin hitting the pager or R-Truth hitting the lie detector and then what's his finishing move I I don't remember but you know what I'm saying yeah like it's it's about the setup move and the big finishing move and you know maybe a couple flourishes along the way in service of storytelling Yes, uh, yeah, they're more concerned about the story. So they're not, con- I mean, like, NXT fan, hardcore wrestling fan, goes to Royal Rumble wanting that great five-star AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match. Vince goes to a show and goes, okay, how can I tell the story of Daniel Bryan and give him more heat? It- it's that sort of thing. Vince McMahon watches, and you can understand this now, he watches NXT shows, and he'll be there live occasionally backstage, and he'll hear the crowds go crazy for them. And then he'll take the people they were going crazy for and have no clue why they were so popular when he gets them up to the main roster, and he tries to use them in a similar fashion. Because he- So in this... In this sense, Vince has also kind of conditioned himself to a certain extent. It's created a blind spot for him where he can't see what makes a certain wrestler click and have a certain thing in NXT. Because in a lot of cases in NXT, it's the way they work. Like, we're going to talk about Bartell and Eichner at some point here. What makes them interesting is very specifically the small moves that they do and the technical stuff. And Vince, I don't think, would see that. I think he would see two dudes from the European Union. Yeah, he, he'd see them and go, well, how Where come, the how come they're not making a big, big motion, you know, to, to signal that they're about to do this move right now kind of thing? You know, it, it's, it's why I think he botched Bailey so bad. I think it's why he botched the Revival so bad. You know, Definitely why they botched the Revival so bad. Because the whole thing that makes the Revival good 
is getting that sense of tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way they were working all of their matches in NXT. They isolate a guy. They, they isolate, isolate a, guy, a guy. They get heat on him, and then hot tag, basic, you know, tag team. And, and you've got to put that stuff over on commentary. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to. You have to help illustrate or n- narrate what it is is going on in the ring right now. Um, and commentary isn't doing that. I mean, the matches don't get time to breathe, and the reason they don't get time to breathe is that there's not a sense of why would this match need time to breathe? Um, so, in a certain sense, you know, the conditioning has created a, a bit of a feedback loop, and it's a little chicken and eggy at this point. Do you Who's wanna, leading who? Do you want to start with NXT UK or NXT? You seemed very jazzed up about NXT UK, so let's do it. I'm into it. Best episode yet. Of this yeah, show. Yeah, I liked this show. Yeah, This I agree. show I agree. hit all me, all my places in my feels. Um, I, you know, first off, uh, let's get let's get the weak part out of there. Dave Mastiff had a, a, a glorified squash against the primate, um, Jay, oh, I can't remember his last name right now. Jay Melrose. Jay Melrose. I, I'm a big Jay Melrose guy. I like this guy. I like Jay Melrose, as, as I've said before. I love the team of him and the wild boar, Mike Hitchman. I think they're perfect together. Um, yeah, I, I liked this as kind of a... Uh, as him being kind of a uh, mechanic to the stars, so to speak, type of thing. He get, gets a little offense on Dave Mastiff, but not too much, and Dave looks strong. I'm fine with and this. He, he still comes off as, as not weak either. Yeah. I, I, I thought I thought that this was a good enhancement match. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it and it not being a squash. But then we got a squash. We oh, got, boy, did we. We got Walter and Jack Starr. I l- Stars with a Z, Hawkins. I, I don't care. I hope there were five no, Zs after to. this because he went to sleep. <laughs> I to I sleep. I love me some Walter. This was the perfect presentation for him. This I Jack should have not got a damn thing in, and he didn't. And I, and of course, it highlights Walter's best asset: the fact that he will make your chest bloody real quick. Loved it. He threw, threw What was great is it was just the one chop. What I liked so much about this squash match is how much Walter is holding back throughout this. I mean, just the one slap just reduces Jack Stars to rubble. It was excellent. It was, this was very, very well done. Slight disappointment in that we, we almost got the ring comp reunion I wanted so badly as Bartell and Eichner approach Walter backstage and say, hey, if you ever need friends, let us know. And Walter just walks away. And I was heartbroken. For now. Chris, Chris I was For heartbroken. Now. I, I need no, this in my Hawkins, life. I, Hawkins, it, you, sometimes you just got to wait, buddy. Sometimes good things come to those who wait. Daddy, I want a, I want a gold egg leg chicken now. Daddy, now. Um... <laughs> It's my favorite song from the soundtrack. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. Um, interview with uh, Gibson and, and Drake. I am here for the title defense against o- Oni Lorkin and and, uh, and and Birch. I I I love and, this. And if they want to rethink grizzled young veterans before that match occurs, I'm not going to stop them. I, I, they can they can rethink the name. I'm loving this weird round robin thing we have going with Mustache Mountain 
Lorkin and Birch, Eichner and and Bartell, and then Gibson and Drake. It's it's like yes. it's like the NXT tag team division from about two and a half years ago, where you had all these teams who were just having killer matches with. Jordan and Gable and the AOP and DIY and the Revival. It feels like that again. I think this tag team division, if they put them all over there, could be the thing that heats up NXT UK as a much, much watch must watch product what's going on with my speech today it, it would give them it would give them a certain flavor that the other brands lack that's more than just this is the wrestling in the UK like this is kind of informally the place where you go for the good tag wrestling yes. i could be into that yeah that's what i want i want that bad i want i want all these tournaments you know i want another dusty tag tournament bring back the revival and bring on these four teams and bring in the usos and just give me yeah anyone who's not doing anything on the main roster bring them over to NXT UK for a hit i'm into it oh yeah the other team uh, you know in this mix i'd like to be formed is gable and tyler breeze man i i you stick all those teams in one thing and and i am i'm just rolling around being happy you know that's all i want is great tag wrestling you give me hard hitting tag wrestling i'm all about that we got a ginny squash everybody knows i love me some ginny i was fine with this not the greatest squash in the world but a squash nonetheless. Yeah, a, a little lengthy, but I, I did enjoy right at the end of the match where she was like, not today, little girl. Like, that that's good sinister. She's vicious. Mean. She's good at being yeah. vicious. That's what I like about her. And then, oh, 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 oh all over my happy place. Uh, <laughs> Mustache Mountain versus Eichner and Bartell. Good Lord, I loved this match. I... I I cannot tell you how much I love this Bartel Eichner team, with the exception that I wish they wouldn't do the handshake twice. Just do it once and go in and just start killing fools. That's all I need. But Eichner doing the the double jump moonsaults and doing the catching guys in the suplex and being the power guy to Bartel's kind of more lanky yet more technical type of thing. It's it's well he gives a Stephen Regal vibe yes. like you know Eichner kind of gives off a, a Cesaro-y sort of vibe whereas Bartel sort of reminds me a bit of Regal and, and I think you need a little bit of that you, you need that like polished kind of slightly prissy like like Bartel's not like working like fully prissy but like a little like aloof a little above all of this um to kind of contrast against the showboaty arrogant Eichner yeah and and I like that dynamic and I like the dynamic against both Bate and Seven in terms of you know with 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 Tyler Bate they're just throwing him around and with with Seven they have to wear on him a bit because he's a bigger guy I think I think that dynamic is also really, really cool to watch in a great tag team match. I like that they don't cheat too much either, um, which sounds kind of weird for heels, but like I like that the, the way that their heels is not super dependent on them being cheap. Um, yeah. it, it's just about them being mean. Yes, it gives ruthless. them it gives them that in ring credibility that these are guys who could beat you legally if they want to, and then when they finally do cheat, it'll be because it, you know, things aren't quite going their way. Right. It, it, it becomes indicative of something else rather than just like, well, these are two reprobates who, you, you know, will 
cheat whenever is necessary. Yeah, no, I, and I, 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 I need that too. I need heels not to cheat or do distractions every single time. I mean, they, they towed the line a bit with the illegal double teams, but heel teams are supposed to do that, so I had no real problem with it. Well, they'd be like the lone cheap shot from Bartell. Yeah. And, and the way the double teams are being used was not like massive momentum changers or something like that. It wasn't like a, trying to distract the ref or like holding the ref in the corner or something like that. Yeah. It, it wasn't too much of that. No, I lo- like I love the Enziguri uh, when, when Bate was originally going to do the uh, shoulder bounce off the ropes. I mean, that was that was a great little spot right there to, you know, prevent prevent the finisher there but everything about this man i mean th- this whole there were so many highlights at the end of the match i was watching them do the replay i was like yeah I, they had to show all of these spots but at the end of it like that replay was like a minute 30 because there were so many great spots in this match and bartell should be the guy getting beat on this team yes because he's the younger of the two um, I hope they don't turn it into a, you know, Eichner turns Eichner gets mad at Bartel. Yeah. No, I, I don't want that either. Um, but, yeah, Bartel should be taking a majority but not all of the pins. I, I would agree. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, but if you're going to pin Eichner, it should be like banana peel or, you know, you know, do a victory roll and you just happen to get his shoulders down type thing, but he's really trying to kick out, but he can't. But you got to do it just enough to make it not be Bartella's the weak link. Right. It's like a 55-45-60-40 sort of ratio you need to hit. Okay, no, I, I can go with that. I think I think they eventually need to win one real quick here because they've been losing. I, I, I agree. I think they'll get their heat back, though. Uh, and, and, again, still stay on the lookout for the slow game with uh, with their countryman, Walter. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested. Bartell see. seems to have a plan up his sleeve. That that was sort of how I read that. Okay, scene. and I could see them doing something in the Joe Coffee match next week. Right, they saved the day for Walter when he gets ambushed by all of Gallus. Yeah, and I'm oh oh oh, oh give me that six man, give me that. I I think you might get it. <laughs> Ask it, you shall receive. Oh, I want that so bad. And then uh, I'm into it. I, I'm I'm interested in how you thought the uh, NXT. Uh, matches taped in Phoenix before the takeover, how how they came off on TV. I haven't, I didn't get a chance to watch the TV, uh, but I have some thoughts on them. I got the two tag okay, matches. So. Yeah, it was just the two tag matches with with a handful of promos here. Um, of the promos, none of them really spoke to me because they're all pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, I guess Matt Riddle did an okay job, sort of getting over his serious character there. Tez and. Uh, Dawkins against the Forgotten Sons. Uh, I thought that this match was abbreviated. I will say that Montez hit that amazing inside the ring to the outside of the ring somersault, um, tope to the outside. Uh, that that looked awesome. It had incredible vert. I thought that the Tower of Doom blockbuster spot in that match was also incredible and really showcased Montez Ford's vertical. Uh, it is weird to me that the Forgotten Sons got the win, although it's n- not necessarily a total surprise. Uh, their finisher has the name of a Reload Era Metallica song. The memory remains. I found so, this inexplicable. It's the one with I found this absolutely inexplicable for yeah. for the for- Forgotten Sons to get a win that big in front of that Phoenix crowd. 
I I just I, you know why they're doing it. I think they want to put them up against the War Raiders to get the War Raiders uh, some heads. Eh, look look at me, nonplussed by that. Because I, I yeah, think I no, th- I'm I'm not impressed by it. But that that's totally where I see this going. They get on like a little short hot streak. The War Raiders put them down along with uh, Gunner, and you know then they move on to the next one. You're wasting Montez Ford's best years on this team. That you never give a great He's push to. the hard camera, Jeff. Oh, stop it. Well, I mean, the, the fact is, though, the, pro- the problem with the, the dive with Montez Ford is it was, to me, a little more impressive than the same one Ricochet did. And the problem is you have both those on the same night, and you're kind of like, why are you letting these guys do both do this right now? Um, I, I think there should have been some talk uh, backstage about that and let only one of them do it and find something else, probably for Montez Ford to do. Um, but it, it's still, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm at the point now where I want to break up the Street Profits because I want to just give, move forward on and give them a new character. Yes. I, I'm kind of there. It's time for a reset. Um, I, although, I think although Dawkins is actually not bad. Dawkins uh, was great in this match I yeah. thought live yeah he's actually not bad I he's another guy though who I think maybe um has aged out of the street profit character also um the outfits they were wearing I don't think they flattered either of those guys no physiques. no uh no the one for uh Dawkins especially it, it was like uh the one on Montez kind of made him look bird chested. It's just like that's not how these guys are built. And normally, you know, like when Dawkins wears the baggier shorts and stuff, like dresses up like he's going to go and play some basketball or something like that. Like that's kind of a look that you know fits his body shape. Whereas uh, that didn't give uh, that uh, wasn't good for somebody with not a lot of definition in the chest. Right? Yeah. They both were. I, and they, they, you, you need muscle mass um, and, and, and a decent amount of it if you're going to wear those type of outfits. And that's not to say I did. I thought the, the, the Forgotten Sons were bad because, like, that dive to the outside when, when Jackson and, and, uh, and, and Dawkins were kind of having the stare down and starting to walk towards one another was pretty darn good and amazing and I like Steve Cutler. I was oddly there for that and that came off really good on TV like it was really intense and I knew it was going to get interrupted but I, man dude honestly I was more kind of pumped for the idea of Dawkins against Jackson Riker I think I called him Gunner earlier um yeah 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 no that 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 was real strong uh, Dawkins can there's a thing here with these two guys that they are just wasting yeah and it's like, well, we got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait. And by the time they get around to him, you know, Montez Ford will probably be 34, 35. And you're just like, okay, well, we'll find someone younger now. It, it's 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 frustrating to me because I've, I've wanted in this first kind of... Because uh, you could tell when they came out that, they, that the adrenaline was flowing to be in front of a takeover crowd. They've been in front of hot crowds, but never really a takeover crowd. And that they wanted to put on a show, and it it almost felt like they were told, no, just do this match. And and, it, and that's what I was frustrated with. And then the other yeah, one... Yeah, no, it, it was very, very by the numbers. Um, and, and, you know, that's the unfortunate part with these pre-pay-per-view matches on these NXT takeovers is um they oftentimes have competitors that you're very excited about, but then the matches are very rote. Yeah. 
I, I find that too, and you know the pattern and everything. And then we had Shirai and Kyrie Sane against Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. Uh, it followed the template. I don't. Keep in mind, I've also read spoilers <laughs> for for the TV tapings. I, I I've seen this match already, but it was. It was Kyrie and uh, Dakota Kai beating them. These two beat them rather easily. Why am I having Shayna's, uh, for lack of a better term, red shirts out out here in in big time matches anymore? Thing one and thing two. Yeah, fight and play. Fight and play. <laughs> I, I I I don't know. I I. I... These are big sightings. I this is a, a very weird way to debut both of these. I, I didn't think it was a good showcase for either. Um, I, I thought I, I based off of you know seeing Duke on Takeover with the uh, mask on. I thought that she broke her nose in this. That's, match that's Shafir did that before. Or yeah, uh, Shafir. Um, I thought she, she broke her match during this or nose during this match, but I, I guess. Her nose was already broken. Wait, wait! I got, I got hardcore fan over here coming, coming. In. Oh, you want to talk? Yeah. Well, you know, Chris didn't know who Casey Cat and Zara was. He can't even tell Jessamyn Duke and Marita Shafir apart. What's her? No, what's no, his believe problem? me, I can definitely tell them apart. I can definitely <laughs> tell them apart. <laughs> that was a name botch. No. Uh, yeah, it, uh, now, now, if you're asking me which ones fight and which ones play, which one wears? I think it's Shafir who wears the fight T-shirt. And it's Duke that wears the play T-shirt, but I I could have that reversed. Sorry, hardcore. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't have a lot more to say about this match. It's it's just they have made Shafir and Duke very cold properties, and they've made and they've made Shirai and Sane a little dull too. I mean, the, the, I dull. don't like their double yeah. teams all that much. I love them singularly, but their double teams leave a little bit to be desired, in my opinion. Well, it's weird that they don't have a tandem finisher and instead go back to Kyrie Sane hitting the insane elbow. Yeah. Like, they did the double spot, and then it's like, oh, you just hit the elbow in tandem. Now, Kyrie, go to the top and do the elbow. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then just just do your singles moves now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, 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 it certainly occurred. Before we go any further, we do have a sponsor this week, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell socks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can invest in any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market or you can, as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood right now is giving listeners of Shake Them Ropes a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Just sign up at shake.robinhood.com. That's shake.robinhood.com. If you forget that, we'll have it in the in the uh, in the show notes. Show notes. Yes, that's what I was. God, man, I cannot talk today. This is just. Weird. But I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I know. It's okay. That's These a, things happen. But we do thank Robinhood for continuing to sponsor Shake Them Ropes. Um, 
uh, and they're very loyal to us. So please go to the site and help us out a bit. It's a good product. Check it out. You wanted to talk a little Dean Ambrose. I did want to talk a little Dean Ambrose. So the scuttlebutt around the internet here, um, from what I have been reading as, uh, I forget what classification I am, but not hardcore wrestling fan, but like semi-hardcore wrestling fan. The scuttlebutt I have been reading is that the Dean Ambrose, uh, the stuff on the squared circle, which is like, uh, honestly, it's like that and what I see on Twitter, um, is that... Dean is going, or this is like a work, and he's not actually going to be leaving. Um, and I, it's funny to me because the thought had occurred to me with regards to Ronda Rousey that the idea of Ronda leaving is the work. Um, so, what do you know about Dean Ambrose? Maybe not. Maybe really leaving. I'll address Ronda first. I think Ronda was more of a rumor that she wanted to start a family. And that she might leave after Mania. It wasn't definitive in any ways. It's just people then picked up on what Dave Dave Meltzer was saying and then took it far more literally than they had to. It was just something that she was interested in doing and then, you know, that she's interested in starting a family and that she had only signed a one-year contract and she was out. As for the theory that the Dean Ambrose thing is a complete work... I don't think WWE and Gate is, is good enough to pull off that kind of story. It's not... It's too subtle for them. It's too inside baseball for them. It, it, they, they'd never do something like that. If, if, if they were going to do that, they'd have gone on Monday Night Raw and said, Dean Ambrose will be leaving after WrestleMania, so enjoy him while you can. You know, and that we we that he his contract is running out. They'd have said it on TV if it were a work. I mean, you know, I I I believe you. I, I it it seems weird to me that like what would be the build? Like what would be the turnaround on this? That is what I'm trying to figure out. Like wh- where's the cash out? I think I, the I, ca- I think the, the cash out is, is that one of the shows then becomes a more serious type of product or that Dean Ambrose becomes a more serious type of gimmick. And I just I just don't see that. I I think they like the lunatic fringe character, you know, I I it, it sells merchandise. I don't think they they'd look at that and go well, just because you're not artistically satisfied, you know, your instincts are wrong. We're not required to intentionally, yeah, we're not required to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we know what we're doing here. So you either do what you're told or, you know what, if you're not happy here, don't sign and then go on somewhere else and do something else. I, I, I just don't see it as... I don't see they view it as a moment of introspection to then go, well, man, we really need to keep Dean Ambrose happy somehow. How can we do this? Let's have this elaborate plan to say he's leaving, and then he'll come back reborn in this more harder-edged product because the product itself isn't becoming harder-edged at all. Yeah, they don't have these moments of introspection. We kind of talked about earlier in the show, like what prevents them from having these moments of introspection? It's it's because they think about all this stuff in terms of storytelling. So when they go, like, why isn't Dean Ambrose clicking? The analysis of it isn't going to be, well, 
John Moxley isn't really having the type of matches that John Moxley traditionally has had throughout his career that have really endeared him with audiences, uh, nor is he even performing the character that he typically has throughout his career. They're looking at this and going like, I don't know, uh, people just don't like these hot dog trucks, I guess. I don't even think they're looking at it like that. They're looking at a guy who is unhappy doing a product that they feel is superior. It's I th- I think they view it as, they probably view it as he wants to do stuff that's more pro wrestling and we don't do- we tell stories here in the WWE yeah, and, and our audience they want to see stories and we've given this guy every chance to get over I, I think they 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 would view like the what we I'm sure I I bet you they honestly believe that the derisively called prop comic Dean Ambrose stuff. I think they they thought it it would work and that it's probably something he did to help not get it over. Yes, but then again, yes. he wasn't the plan. He was the th- look look when he was part when of the they shield, put the belt on. Yeah, when they put the belt on him, that was not a plan. No, when when when, when well, when he was in the shield, and we were watching those first promos, and we were watching him be kind of you know they were comparing him to Heath Ledger as the Joker. There's something sinister and crazy about him, and we really like him. But he was the third. But but in their minds, he was the third wheel in this Roman Seth Dean triumvirate as to who had the star power. And the people kept cheering for him, so they kept bringing him out there and having him do things and be. And and his version of unstable was different than their version of unstable. Their version of unstable is, look, I'm going to get some ketchup and mustard and squirt it all over you. Isn't that This wacky? is a company that doesn't do chaos well. And so, you know, the hopes for Dean Ambrose inside of the storytelling that this company likes to do, being able to be unstable in the way that would be gratifying, it doesn't happen. So instead you get the, whoa, I'm throwing something at the wall right now. Whoa, there's a food fight in the backstage. Like, that's their version of yeah, unstable. Yeah, they, they don't do dark and they don't do violent necessarily very well. They don't do menace. They don't do like scary. They, they don't, don't do really scary. do scary. They don't do mean. They do schlock. And you know, it, it's like uh, if when they do the horror stuff, it's B movie horror stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of a corollary from my fandom as to you know how like like let's let's say for example they did the. Uh, the infamous skit where the horsemen are in a car following Dusty Rose and they're going to go jump him at 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 the Techwood Studios. You know that they, they, they would have, you know that that was that was filmed guerrilla style. They would have camera crews at certain angles. There'd be good lighting. You know there there'd be a heavily scripted, uh, you know verbiage prior to the beatdown as opposed to four guys getting out of the car and just started kicking the crap out of somebody. You know, they'd go for the monologuing, comic booky type of presentation. That's what they go for. They go for the sizzle. They love the sizzle. And what what I think what I think Dean Ambrose wants is more steak. So I don't think I don't think they're gonna just all of a sudden go well, we're going to take all this stuff that makes us millions and millions of dollars, and we're going to let this one guy not do it because he's not happy doing it. 
He's he's not Brock Lesnar. He's not a guy who's who's at that range where we're going to present him as menacing. We have a guy like that already in Brock Lesnar. So I, I, I could just see them going, okay, he's not happy here and he's not going to re-sign. How can we use him? Else, <laughs> and I think I think he's losing Nia Jax at Mania. Yeah, I, I I could see them wanting to do that first intergender match ever with Nia Jax at Mania and having Dean Ambrose do the job there. I you know it's a shame because I I think maybe what Dean should have requested is to go back down to NXT and feud with Champler or something like that. I don't think, I think they. I don't there, think there's space find, for him to do that character down there. I don't think they find value in sending main roster guys down to NXT, especially no. guys with certain star cachet, because they I do still refer to those main to it roster as, guys when it's time for them to renegotiate their contracts. Maybe need to force the issue. I don't think they're going to see value in it. I think those main roster guys have to suggest to management that they see value in it. Well, they're not, but they're not going to want to pay a guy high six figures to go down to their developmental territory where they have guys on fifty thousand dollar a year salaries just just, yeah, no, just for creative fulfillment. Right? You know? No, they're going to have to figure out different things. So, or you know, I mean, bringing down a few main roster guys actually could help the star power of touring that brand around. Right, but and, I mean, yeah. for for us, I think, and and Rob and I discussed this ad nauseum is that when they decided to do the brand split, they really needed one brand. They could have kept Raw as the WWE product and kind of made SmackDown a little bit, you know, with a little bit more edge to it. And now that they've sold SmackDown to Fox, and that's what Fox wants, they're going to have to do this eventually. Yeah. No, I mean, it's I, just, yeah. it's it's so odd. It It's... I think there's there's a problem in that within our circles, and this goes back to the my types of fans, in our circles there's a certain want for a more serious, straight-ahead sports-type product. But with like all the things of old-school wrestling, like the promos and gimmick matches and things like that to help you know the logical feuds, and that's why we like NXT so much. But at the same time, what's made them so much money is this system of camp. And it's hard to get away from... It's made them a lot of money, but what's also happening in this system of camp is a diminishing viewership. Like, so something isn't quite working. Well, it's not working for a certain facet of the fandom. Like, more men leave when they see the women on TV. Well, no, I I feel like at a certain point, though, uh, I'm reminded of that movie Spinal Tap where they're talking with Spinal Tap's manager about how the band's playing in smaller venues and his defense is, oh, no, 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 it's not that the audience has gotten smaller. It's uh, that we've gotten more selective. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that works to a point, but the numbers also speak for themselves. Wrestling viewership is down and continues to trend down, and we see, like, headlines all the time it seems like almost annually now of like raw hits a new low for ratings it hits um, a new low for ratings but they can still sell out wrestlemania in in a huge giant stadium every year with very little problem so yeah but what about royal rumble uh what were they doing with ticket sales for royal rumble jeff uh they were doing two for ones and yeah uh, yeah nobody yeah, bought my what... other two which kind of made uh, me angry but you know uh, okay oh that reminds me Ticket update. The $700 ticket I was expecting, 
Only got a warning. Nice. Yes. There you go. Sir. Jeff fought the law and the <laughs> law won. That's one more than the other Hawkins. See? Doesn't run the family. <laughs> uh, and 205 Live didn't have a lot. I liked the uh, Gulak Gallagher promo. Um, yes, yes. It was actually pretty much note for note what we were talking about with regards to Korea. Um, and I, I love it. I, I think it's it's going to be real fun when they come down to the ring next week and they try to counsel a, a man who does not need any counseling. And then when he rejects that counsel, uh, they'll attack him mercilessly. And I, I think that will be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with Humberto Carrillo. I really like him. And then I guess the, it was a way to write off Hideo Itami and that uh, Arya Davari is now going to kind of take his place in the hierarchy, I think. I thought the Tazawa yes. match was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was a good farewell match. I mean, certainly it it was as strong a note as Kenta could leave on considering the circumstances. I You know, I like Arya Davari gaining the heat at the end of the match here. I, I'm sure... I actually think that what we'll see with Davari is he's going to be a little bit more of a a guy who pulls strings around there. He's always working different people. I think we'll see him find someone else to sidle up with here. It'll be very interesting now that they hired his brother also to be a producer backstage. Um, that's going to be... He, he had been tr- doing some training in Minnesota uh, for guys, and now he's going to be back there producing. I, I, I'm hoping... Yeah, I, I like Arya Davari a bit. I, mean, I like the, him too. These promos I, 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 have been these thing. promos have been turning me around over the past few weeks. Yeah, and that initial squash match showed me that he knows how to put put it together in the ring when when they give him the right stuff to sink his teeth into. Here, I, I think he can be properly utilized and be very very effective. I agree. Uh, anything else in the WWE you want to hit on? You want to hit on Worlds Collide? You want to hit on? Uh, I don't know. There's um, no, I, no I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't have. Uh, I don't have anything on Worlds. Oh, let me. I know what I wanted to get to because the other. What do you want to get to? The other big uh, talking point in 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 our kinds of circles. Charlotte Flair should should be added to the Ronda Becky match or no? No, no. I want this to just be about Becky and Ronda and um Charlotte needs to st- if if we're going to make her a heel we need to make her a heel I I she needs to we need to figure out what we're doing with the four horsewomen all these forehand flashes um because Charlotte becomes this dangling figure in that I I have an idea because I agree okay. I think the only people pushing for Charlotte to be in a triple threat in Mania are friends of the Flair family. Um, I, I, I understand that Charlotte is a big star in the women's division, but she doesn't need to be here, and it doesn't need the star power for it. You need the straight-on, one-on-one build, not, not, the, not the Ronda hates Charlotte, Charlotte hates Ronda, Ronda hates Becky, Becky hates Ronda, Becky hates Charlotte type of deal. There were... There were times for triple threats, but it'll only get muddled. This is not the time for that. I think, I think the way to get out of this is you you put Charlotte and Ronda on at Elimination Chamber with the story that look Becky and Charlotte can hate each other, but Ronda's been taken. Ronda took out their two friends on the Horsewomen. They she took out Sasha. She took out Bailey. 
Oh, you could have that match be about who's the leader of the four horsewomen. That too. That could be the core of the beef here. It's it's for not just the shot at Ronda at Mania, but also kind of informally who's the leader of this group. And then you pivot back to a Charlotte versus Oscar rematch, I think, because because yeah. Oscar's yeah. still out there as a champ. Right, right, and, and that that seems to be the Money Mania match. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just don't think you complicate it with an extra person in there. Um, and then uh, you know. Someone, I think it's uh, Tom Green, posted that the last shot of Mania is probably going to be Sasha and Bailey with the world ti- with the tag titles, Charlotte with the SmackDown Women's title, and and Becky with the Raw Women's title to, to go. And I go now. I don't want to see anything else. I think that'd be kind of awesome. But uh, no, that'd be great. All of them holding up the four horsewomen symbol. We'll get. I'm we'll get it. to the. Yeah, I think we'll get to that hopefully. Uh, but we will see. Uh, so. I think Chris and I might be taping a Patreon uh, episode this this weekend over at patreon.com slash shake them ropes for as little as one dollar you can hear it. I believe it will uh, be allow about- me allow me to quote Zach Gibson real quickly. Soon <laughs> I believe it will be about Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. I hope That's to have certain. I hope to have time to watch all of it, but if I don't, Chris will carry me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to do a big old binge here. No, I'm I'm super excited. Like th- this is my proposition. I think Andy Kaufman is one of the great wrestling heels. And if you want to get into my head about what makes a good wrestling heel, you'll have to just listen to that episode. But I'm very excited to talk about it. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow the show itself at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris, plug away, sir. Other shows are Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find over at Don'tWorry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher. My other other show is the All in the Family Podcast, which you can find at the theallinthefamilypodcast.com and also on iTunes and Stitcher. Take a listen. The final score of the Super Bowl is going to be Patriots 38, Rams 9. Let's go, Prezingers! What I'm going to do, I promise I love you so much. I wrote you a little poem, Tessa, and I memorized it. Roses are red, violets are blue. Tessa, I love you. I love you, baby. Come back to me. I'm going to beat you to death next week, Bill Dundee.